Welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast. I am your host, Donald Wonder, and I'm joined once again by my co-host in crime, Simon Red. Yes! I'm still trapped in this nightmare. Yes. How can you be trapped in a nightmare when last time we spoke about that Midsummer Night Sets comedy dream movie that everybody's seen? Well, we liked it somewhat. I don't know how the people felt. If you missed that discussion, people, click on the YouTube card in the top right-hand corner. I'm kind of fast-tracking this one, Simon, to step on your toes. But guys, hey man, you know, let, let's get into it. You know, no warm-up, just uh, strike in the middle. Nah, let's just get right into this, guys. We've done a whole retrospective on Woody Allen, where I think we're like, I want to say one third through, but at this point, we've done about eleven movies. We've got all the playlists there for you guys to check out all the previous discussions on YouTube. You'll see the playlist. I'll put a link in the description. If you're listening on the podcast, and I know a lot of you are because I'm getting a lot of feedback from you guys, thank you for listening. YouTube guys, check us out on Stitcher Radio, Android, iOS, wherever you want. Video, audio, you can even go on Google and just put in the hashtag Woody Allen Retro and you'll find all of our Woody Allen videos. So with that said, guys, keep in mind all these movie reviews are spoilers. We spoil the movie entirely. We want you to watch the movie, come back and listen to us bitch or praise the movie and in this case we're actually going to talk about a movie which is very fondly looked upon but we're going to decree our judgment on the movie and let you know if we think it's good or not on that note simon what are we going to talk about today oh yeah 30 years later yeah 30 years later here comes the real review of the movie the real value is going to be unwieldy. exactly we're going to talk about 1983 zelig or zelig if you want to pronounce it correctly in a german pronunciation uh return to form for woody allen we are revisiting a style from his very first movie take the money and run which is this pseudo documentary style where the movie shot like a real documentary but it's a fictional story starring himself as a title character leonard zelly and the movie basically focuses on a theoretical historical legend from the 1920s a man who became famous for being able to completely transform his appearance due to some sort of psychological trauma that gave him this mental condition where he's so desperate to adjust and acclimate to his environment that he changes his mannerisms, his accents, the way he speaks, and even assumes a new identity to match whoever he's in the room with. So if he's in a room with a bunch of doctors, suddenly he talks, starts talking about medical science if he's in a room with musicians he picks up an instrument and starts playing uh, music and if he's in a room with a bunch of scientists he just goes on off from some science gibberish to the point where he starts analyzing his own analyst when he's in therapy and you really don't need to know more about the movie afterwards it's, the whole thing relies on the creativity of woody allen of inserting Zelig into real historical events almost and the movie I think is very inspirational because while I was watching it I thought like this probably inspired Forrest Gump and a ton of other similar films and just the gimmick of inserting Woody Allen into old pictures and old basically footage from either television or films or real life 
as if he was there as this character has been, you know, replicated a thousand times over. So definitely a standout movie just from that perspective of the way it's shot and this pseudo documentary style or mockumentary, as they like to call it. You know what? I'm going to address that first. I couldn't decide whether if this was a mockumentary or a fake documentary, because just to reiterate what you've already said from my perspective, again, yes, Woody Allen did perfect what he wanted to do originally with Take the Money and Run. With Take the Money and Run, it was like a semi-documentary because he did have the narration on top of it, but it felt more like a film where this one actually feels like a documentary with... Uh, yeah, he went the the whole nine yards. You know, there's we don't break away out of the documentary style at all. And a big difference with this one as well, he has other people speaking for him, you know, speaking about this legend, this character, this person, like a documentary. And on top of that, it's black and white, because we know Woody Allen has that little mini black and white studio as well. And firstly, I do want to say the visual effects for how he kind of, you know inserts himself into you know historical films it's pretty good it's damn good yeah and because the film is black and white it ages well if you watch it today it's like oh this is you know it actually you know if this came out today it kind of works in that way so it's really good you know what actually i'm going to bring up the criticisms first because there's only one major criticism for this whole movie <laughs> mia farrow again or what <laughs> yeah but not so much because uh, yeah but it actually you're right because it's the characters now Mia Farrell is, is kind of headlined by Woody Allen and Mia Farrell. Everyone else is not really noticeable at all because they're meant to be real people just giving their accounts of what's happened. So there's no other real noteworthy characters. Again, that's the only criticism. Mia Farrell, her character is a very deadpan, you know, therapist, scientist. So I don't really want to criticize her performance because she's playing that character the right way especially with her character falling in love with him so i thought that that made sense but again i didn't i didn't like her character to be honest with you because she's very flat but i don't want to criticize mia farrell for that because i just think that was the character she was portraying and this movie again is a woody allen vehicle and he just it's all about him ironically saying it's all about him there's lots of parts in the movie where he's not even acting. Well, yeah, he he's, he does barely has dialogue in the entire movie. Yeah, he's not really in the movie per se. He does have bits and pieces here and there, but, you know, it's a movie about him, but he doesn't have to play the character, so it's a little bit interesting. And actually, I kind of thought he was cheating. I was like, he kind of cheated. Why did this movie take so long to make? You know, you're not really acting and you're using all this stock footage. Fun fact, this movie, the runtime, when they were finished, originally, it was 45 minutes. He actually had to pad it out by adding a lot of stock footage and, you know, all that other stuff, which still makes this movie the shortest Woody Allen movie of his whole filmography. It's just over, what, an hour and 15 minutes? His shortest movie to date. So that's the negative, and I don't think that's negative. This movie actually marks what everyone calls Woody Allen's most creative period. In the 80s, we're about to see him doing a run of movies that really etch into his creativity, even though... At this point, the mass audience are starting to fall off him a little bit. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I think it's a really fun movie. I'm a, I've got something else I want to say about the character and the idea, but I'll let you kind of jump off what I just said there. Okay. I mean, really, there's no plot here. It feels like the movie's actively trying to make fun of somewhat conventional storytelling and biopics. You know, biopics are always big Oscar-bait films. And I think... 
with Woody having a rough ride with critics for his last couple of projects, maybe he was actively trying to go up against that. Like the only real plot line here is the love story. You know, he ends up in therapy, Zelig, and Doctor Edora Nesbit Fletcher. What a great name! Congratulations, <laughs> congratulations for bringing it up. By the way, <laughs> yeah. So Doctor Fletcher, played by Mia Farrow. It's, there's sort of this female doctor trying to establish herself in the 20s, which is hard enough. So she looks at this as a, as a good opportunity to branch out as a female doctor and gain some respect. And the more she focuses on this project, she becomes the only person that is willing to deal with this controversial figure. And they fall in love. Big surprise, you know, very typical. But here's the comedic twist. They make actually a movie about that love story within the documentary that the documentary covers. It's sort of a biopic about Zelig inside the Zelig documentary. And the whole time they're just poking fun of Hollywood tropes, over-exaggerating things and making it extremely cheesy. Pretty much how you imagine a love story being made pre-1960. You know? yeah. And that's really it. After that, either you really dig his approach of this mockumentary style. It's like a joke told with a completely straight face. Yeah. The entire film, if you show it to somebody who doesn't know Woody Allen and has never heard about this film at all, they would probably think this is a real documentary. Yes. They would scratch their heads like, yeah. how did I not hear about this guy before he was as big as Mickey Mouse? What the hell was going on in the 20s? I agree. And that's sort of the whole point. If you're into that, if you get the joke, then it's, it's a really fun movie to watch. And there's nothing more to add. In closing, I would say you brought up the runtime. For me, that was a good decision because like many documentaries, there comes that point where it peaks and it starts dipping, where you got introduced to everything you need to know about the character, everything that led up to him becoming who he is, and then the story just needs to wrap up. Sure. So I, I was glad that they kind of went into that quick because yeah. I was getting a little bored of just, okay, then he spent another six months in therapy, then we tried this method, it didn't work, we tried this, it didn't work, then this happened. That, that kind of drags out. Sure. And the overall deeper meaning of the film is really just how we treat people who are in the public eye, how we, you know, alienate and discriminate against people who are sort of have special abilities or something. Uh, this happens a lot to artists who become very famous and they're extremely talented, but they're a little bit avant-garde. They're unique, you know, they're, they're artists. So they have their quirks. And what do you know? The media turns them into freaks because it sells paper purse, ruins their life. The gossip machine is out of control. And then they end up with all sorts of lawsuits and depression. And the movie goes into that as you would expect. So it's a lot of familiar territory, but done in a very unique style. And that definitely makes it worth watching and very enjoyable. Yeah, well, let me dig a little bit deeper and get a little bit fanboyish about Woody Allen. So first of all, that thing you just touched on about... Um, the spectacle of Woody Allen, it was purposefully done. Woody Allen said that he actually placed his movie in the 1920s. The reason why he did it at that time is because that was the time of the tabloid or the spectacle of the freaks. And, you know, he wanted to portray that character at this time because, you know, the, the community, the, the social awareness of this character's person, it would be all over the headlines before, well, just after World War, World War One, which I think was very clever. But here's, yeah. the, here's the thing I really want to focus in on because... I don't like to overpraise anybody, really. But I, this is something I... Do. You can do it for me. I, I don't mind at all. Well, you, you, know, you, if, you, you never deserve it. So that's not really... Happening. Yeah, if you don't... Oh, you know I do. <laughs> you know I do. Come, sure. That's just... He, he does it off mic. Don't worry right. about it. Well, we'll see. Well, what I want to focus on 
is the concept of Zadig. Now, this is the part, guys, I, I really want to praise. We've seen, how many movies have we seen about someone with multiple personalities? This is, not, this is nothing new at all. So many weird movies, whether it's a, a drama or a thriller or something like that. Oh, we had a ton just this year. We had the one with James McAvoy oh, just I, now. I, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. I didn't want you to say that yet. And actually, let's put that to the side. That movie specifically, Split, I'll get back to you. Then we've got the other kind of movies where a person is using multiple identities for... A uh, con artist movie yeah. like uh, yeah. Catch Me If You Can. Exactly. So this movie and Split, which I was going to get to, but you can beat me to it, it's one, of the rare, <laughs> it's one of the rare movies that combine the two because Woody Allen can not only change, but he has a, it's a psychological condition that makes him change. Now, honestly, until Split, it was never the two combined it was either one or the other like catch me if you can there's so many movies of con artists with so many multiple personality thrilling movies but again like split combined the two discombined the two and i'm always praising woody allen for being like an innovator but i checked there isn't movies that combine someone especially as a comedy now that's another thing this was more of a mockumentary comedy kind of it wasn't played for deep drama even though through the movie there comes a point where they're like oh he ruined so many lives because he's had these wires and Woody Allen's like I didn't know and they even posed a question that is he responsible since he didn't know which again is very clever and brings a new depth to the movie that that's actually a good point like the more I think about it I mean you would catch me if you can that movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio when he did the aviator and just when I think of the structure of the aviator when they get to exploit in that movie Howard uses you know kind of unique quirks and he gets into a phase where things go downhill and he ends up with a lawsuit it's very similar to this i think just the pacing even in that film how he structures going through a person's life has become very influential the way he did it in this film ironically speaking of m night Shyamalan split i just saw it this week i actually watched it on purpose just so i can talk about this movie the reason i want to talk about that movie is because that is a horror movie and again People praise the movie just on the concept that, wow, somebody could actually change his body, even though James McAvoy's face doesn't change. He only I don't want to spoil the movie, but at the end, he has another form which does kind of change his body, whatever. This movie here, Zalig, this is one of the points the movie dodged a massive bullet. And I was watching Woody Allen changes into a black man. And I'm a racist. <laughs> now, again, I think yeah, he man. was very careful not to do blackface. Or not to do, you know, the Spanish, because he does. I mean, he doesn't actually do blackface like real painted black. He, he kind of skirts it and it shows a bit of sensitivity, which I was like, ah, I see you were very careful with this one because that could have gone wrong. So I actually appreciate the fact that he didn't cop out and not do it at all, but he did do it, but he didn't, do it in a derogatory way, which again, I have to praise Woody Allen for doing. And on top of that, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, Simon. But Woody Allen had a lot of black actors in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did. He did. There hadn't been a lot of black actors between now and Sleeper. All the Manhattan, Annie Hall, interiors, there was no black people. And I'm sorry, I'm bringing up the race cards because, again, a lot of people have criticized Woody Allen for not hiring black people. But again, 
I I don't know. I don't know why he didn't use them in those other four movies we just talked about. Yo, ain't a black person alive who could deal with the shit from interiors. Nobody, no black person has the patience to sit around and just have sophisticated conversation. <laughs> look, I I know what I'm watching when I'm watching with you. I'm not expecting black people, but again, it's just interesting as a person of color to watch it and see when he does integrate people of color in his movies and. This movie, the black people we had in this movie were talking about him. I think there was like or, uh, uh, two professors or something and they were black or something, or friends. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But anyway, I know people hate it when I do this, but I just, I think it's interesting that he, over time he, he does integrate it. It, it. It's good. It's good because he writes these very specific characters from where you can feel that the writer knows this person. So it's directly, it's not a race thing. It's directly based on somebody he knows. But then again, that alienates diversity from the film because it's basically just always sitting around a close group of friends. So unless a black, you know, person happens to be among the group of friends, you're not gonna get it. But sometimes it's good to branch out and make a movie that has a more large, that has a larger scale, a more open world, if you know what I mean. You get to see more of it. Let me be clear. I don't watch Woody Allen movies for racial diversity at all. I watch it for his writing. And, you know, I just... Guys, I know a lot of people hate it when I do this. But again, I just find it interesting. But putting that aside, the other thing I want to talk about is the the music score, which um, isn't really memorable. There's a little score there, but it's a documentary. So he avoided using a lot of music, obviously, because that wouldn't make sense in the documentary. It's not. It's about the, the, the character. That's pretty much it. I've kind of dissected as much as I can. It's a, it's, it's a good movie. It's a memorable movie. And the one thing you hit on, Simon, that I just want to reiterate, a sign of a good movie, especially someone that has a long filmography, is how does it stand on its own as its own movie, which you mentioned already, very good. You Some people would even be fooled to think this is a real documentary. Good standalone movie. And in the collection, it came at a time where people were starting to wane on him. And this shows a hell of a lot of creativity it ages really well and that's uh pretty much what i've got to say yes yeah, definitely one of his most fond upon movie by the fans they actually like it i believe it was in the low eights low eights high sevens when it comes to imdb water tomatoes it spoke about very fondly a favorite for a lot of people and uh, that's basically it unless you've got anything else to say about the movie well just how influential it was like the more i think about it i think the elephant man did that but they did it in the 80s you know, that was 1980. So that's the only movie I could think of that was similar. That came out in 1980, yeah. So maybe he was a little bit inspired by this idea of centering a film around this very unique character that has sort of a mental problem or some sort of deformity. In this case, both, because he, he changes his physical appearance. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I think it's the right runtime. I think it's... A very unique film and it's all right I, I, and i like the overall message you know yeah. it really exploits sensationalism and that hasn't gone away uh, one of my favorite movies his girl friday opens is also about asshole reporters and it opens up with this big, big statement like this is how it used to be back in the day but luckily you know there are no more people like that working uh in the press right now and you know bullshit to that i mean that we're here how many years later decades later and we still deal with the same bullshit of 
fake articles, fake news, uh, undermining everything. And I don't want to go on a depressing ass note. This is a good movie to watch. No, no, Fuck no. the press. No, no. And actually, you just reminded me. Speaking about the music, how could I forget? Do you remember that Do the Comedian song? <laughs> Do the Comedian. And they had the little dance to it as well. Oh, my God. That Those are some of the best parts. You know how in Sleeper, he really went went full-on perfectionist with the architecture to sell you on that this is set in the future even though he doesn't do these big budget movies yeah. here he really went perfectionist with the minor details of making you believe this was a real person like with all the different uh collectibles and figurines they made from this guy the different music bits songs that were written about him or songs that reference him all these things recorded sound very authentic sound just right as if they were composed in the 20s i don't know if he actually found real songs featuring those lyrics from back in the day that he could use to pretend like it was linked and everything looked just right i mean you could really fool people that this was a real documentary and it's because he had the dedication to go that extra mile and make sure that everything looked very authentic i would i would have given this movie an oscar just for the the production you know Oh, I did think it got uh, nominations, actually. I forgot to mention. I do I do believe it got... I'm not sure... I should have checked. I'm not sure it was Oscar nominations or whatnot, but I believe it was nominated. You know, this was... Would he finally get in another award of some sort after last movie, which he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after after being in a... For dry... In a little bit of a dry season. Not like he cares, you know. Nah, nah not, not at all. That's what we love about Woody. The train just keeps on chugging along. So, guys, again, you can check out the Woody Allen Watchers, guys, from the Woody Allen Pages website. It's on the screen. Check out that book, that ebook you can get from Amazon for all the other Woody Allen knowledge of this movie, all the other movies that we're not going to cover. I want to give a special shout-out to the Woody Allen subreddit, letting us share our podcast there. Very good feedback. And all you guys on the podcast, YouTubers, need to give us that love. The thumbs up, the comments, we appreciate that. But that's pretty much it for this one, guys. I want to thank my co-host, Simon Reds, for joining me again on this one. That's it. I'm too tired. It's a Friday. I'm out. It was good talking about it, but I'm done. Okay. You moany bastard. Get the hell out of it, then. Who needs you? Who needs you, you son of a bitch? <laughs> guys, if you're on YouTube, hit the annotation on the screen. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. And we'll see you on the next one.